We're going to go back to Luke chapter 2. We were in 1, but we'll be moving over to 2. And lambing and sheeping. Lambing is the term that is used when baby sheep are being brought into the world. Sheeping is a real term. It's a present tense participle of sheep. It has an implication that it is that which takes on a behavior or an attribute of that which is being tended, protected. We use the term at times, probably more frequently with our youngsters, such as what I heard from my mom when I was in the back of the Chevy Impala. And back then, moms did not have to be belted in, but they knew how to use that belt wherever it came from to tame those little creatures in the back. We weren't called sheep back then. We were monsters. They knew how to apply the brakes just so perfectly. Back in the 60s, it was a great season to grow up. And you truly knew you had been delivered when you realized how much, both with finesse, moms were able to bring about correction and with no compromise that you got the idea. Those were the days. But sheeping implies that the individual involved in tending has a similarity to that which they are guarding. And as a result, the smell and even the disposition has a kinship to it. Horsing around was the term I was endeavoring to use. And so when we hear it, we do it, we associate it with the behavior of kids. No horsing around there. But if you look at it, someone is saying that that kid is behaving like a stubborn horse that perhaps has got to be under its saddle, has an attitude, doesn't want to be saddled. And so the head is flying. We had both the Palomino and Appaloosa. Mine was the Appaloosa. Roberts, my twin, was the Palomino. My Appaloosa was not any problem to me unless he took a hard left or right turn when I was on him. Then I was no longer his problem. I was airborne. The Palomino, though, had a grouchy disposition, so Rob learned never to turn his back on it because he would experience bites on his back. He may still have some scars by that nipping because that was the disposition of the Palomino. Sheep don't have that with regard to being afraid of them. But it's interesting that in the scriptures, and we will look at that, those who find themselves in intimate association with the sheep become, if you would, a discard or 
difficulty for those that are around them. I have been to Stockton and I have also been on small ranches and I've stepped in a variety of things that come in barnyards. And I cannot say that a sheep has any more of a fragrance problem to me than a cow does. So what I want to say in this preceding time right now is that Mary, in essence, as you know, has, with a yielded heart and an anticipation of God doing a remarkable work, submits to ultimately the body and soul and spirit to be pregnant with the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. And she had known the story. She was not an ignorant young woman. But the favor of God had come specifically to her in which her voicing was attuned to a woman of great devotion. That's where we left off. Had she hedged one bit, had she shown just a slight disregard to the announcement given to her, it may have been altogether a different story for her. But everything that we see both in her and ultimately what she would be led to do brings us to the day in which Jesus would be born. And there was a time that we realized from last week that she would occupy herself in not only giving herself to the will of the Lord, but ultimately to the needs of an older cousin. And that is no small thing. Elizabeth would be visited by Mary at six months with her pregnancy, and it would be the beginning of Mary's trimester. And some would say, well, I didn't have any problems in my trimester, any of them. Or, yeah, the first one was a doozy. Most women will say that that first one has many challenges as the body is acclimating to the life within the womb. And, of course, men can't possibly fully appreciate that at all. We've been there in some manner of the distresses. Only a woman really can appreciate that. But in Luke chapter 1, in the scriptures that were laid out, the acknowledgement that God would have his way and that ultimately Mary would be the means by which the Lord God himself would be delivered to the world, she finds herself not doing any less, but engaged to do whatever the Lord had put on her heart to do. She comes alongside her elder cousin and ministers to the time very likely of her delivery to then return back and to anticipate the next two trimesters in which not only great changes would still be happening to her, but the great challenge in her pregnancy of moving 70 to 100 miles 
from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The travel that she's already been on in the first trimester is about 70 to 100 miles in the wilderness area. We're not even told how she was able to accomplish that. But it wasn't with the Jeep. And very likely it was with the donkeys. And it would have been a difficult journey. But she did it. And in the difficulty of doing that, it prepared her for the difficulty of doing something very difficult. And that was traveling within the days of deliverance on an equal distance further. And then to be surprised by there being no place to have this child, God's son. Let's go ahead and pick up our scripture today and enjoy this very relevant story in this season. It was Luke chapter 139 through 45 in which the meeting of both Elizabeth and Mary had taken place. Pretty exciting. The acknowledgement from womb to womb that tells us back then that was as good as ultrasound is today. And 44 captures it. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. That was John, not horsing around, but leaping like a dancer in the womb of Elizabeth because of the greeting of Mary, the salutation. But it wasn't simply her voice. It was the acknowledgement of a baby who would precede the greatest baby ever born, Jesus, acknowledging, I am the one that goes before you, and I acknowledge your greatness before two mothers. Pretty exciting. In verse 46, let me just take you to a couple of lines. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. In essence, that phrase means extolling the greatness of God. But I think you have heard, and most women would agree, that they perhaps also have heard personally that they were great with child during their pregnancy. That's a term that implies the changes that the body ultimately submits to to accommodate this new life that's growing. Great with child, pregnant with a baby, the exaltation of God in a divine moment of biological change and spiritual impartation. That baby's full of God's spirit. The woman is filled with the spirit. It's not simply by reason of the request God in the innocence of the child brings forth a life. And we're told in the epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy that a woman in giving birth is ultimately delivered. There's something that's dynamically linked 
to the pregnancy. And I believe it is such that a woman comes really face to face with God through the vision of the child ultimately that she faces off with. The experience, all of these things. There was an article I read just the other day of the lamentations of the millennials, the Z generation, the ones that perhaps got caught up in the fading appeal of feminism, didn't want men in their lives, didn't want a family, did not want to become pregnant. And now at the age which we would call certainly tender of 38, early 30s, they feel that they've run out of time. The means by which the pregnancy would have easily come now is more difficult. The fact that because they shunned the affections of men courting them, they now have no men to court them because those men found other women that found them of great need. And so it's interesting that in a story such as this, pregnancy wasn't something to be denied. It was a hope in every woman, especially in the Jewish mindset that a sacred life would be granted to be able to be reared within a home and to give as a first fruit to the Lord. Pretty awesome. Moving over from that salutation and the poem that Mary writes, Visit With Me, Chapter 2. Let's take a look at that. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census, verse 2, first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. That's just a stamp signature saying that that person was governing the nearby community. It allows us to know that historically it can't be argued concerning this day. It's not a fable. It's an historic fact rooted with a real person, not a bias. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. The Lord is co coordinating right now all of the component parts essential for Jesus to be qualified both as the king that Jesus himself would be able to have cited through the heart and poetry of David. David saw this in advance through both the lineage of Mary and of Joseph. He would be anchored both in humanity and he would be anchored in divinity, royalty, and commonality. And so it says to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her 
to be delivered. It's an interesting phrase, for her to be delivered, not to deliver God, but for her to be delivered. And so where maybe there are, and this may be true, the lamentations of women who have missed the mark because of false ideology, social lies that have been presented concerning being a matriarch, concerning being a maiden, that journeys with God, rearing children, rejoices in tender young life. So I think that it was intentional and not delusional, whereas culture right now is indeed embedded in delusion, lacking holy fear and appreciation of the life of the innocent, unborn child. Things are turning around. Things are changing. There is a generation that sees that life for truly what it is, sacred and undeniable. There are still those culturally that hang on tenaciously, that it's nothing other than a thing and it. No meaning no purpose, unless delivered. And then it's optional. Sad. But that's where the world finds itself. If not surrendering to a God that's made himself available to be found, then culture finds itself at war with God, making terrible, indiscreet decisions with regard to life and family, and salvation. The days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. This is the fruition of conception, exactly the way that God said he would do it. He overshadowed her. That's all we need to know. The complexities in that alone we cannot fully appreciate. But Joseph was not the father of Jesus, just a stepdad. And by the way, thanks, stepdads. You have one who preceded you historically. And this is her firstborn, a reiteration. She was a virgin. She had not been pregnant before. And there would be a time in which she has both the pleasure and responsibility of starting a family that extends beyond her firstborn son. And it's a fascinating story of both daughters and sons that she would raise up. A mystery after this point in terms of how long Joseph lived. He was an elder to her, but definitely a provider and one who may have very likely raised most of the kids. My grandfather, my dad's dad, lost his wife fairly early on. She had delivered six children, but it was shortly after the last baby was delivered that she passed away. 
we didn't know it historically I've discovered that she was a part of the Christian scientist uh, philosophy which again doesn't permit the benefit of any kind of medicine and we think that at that time she very likely could have survived but nevertheless the point being made is that in those days just closely coming out of the depression and moving into ultimately a slow pace forward the young kids at that time ended up taking on responsibilities of a mom that wasn't there my father being the eldest was in charge ultimately of both bringing in finances to the home with pop who worked in the groves and in the mills and then one of his older sisters they became ultimately what their mom's absence could not be fascinating story of how children grew up back then this provision right now rests here what we do know is that there was a place that was reserved for Mary and Joseph but it was not anything that you and I would find impressionable we would probably say you got to be kidding you've had those times where you've rolled into a town you're dead tired and you come to a place that at least seems to afford for you haven and you check in only to find out the sign meant to say no vacancy as opposed to vacancy you go to the next one assuming that it is for real and it is it's a real nightmare the only room available didn't have the sheets changed bathtub still looks just like it would have if somebody had been bathing coming off the dusty trail like a cowboy or sheep herder we've been to those kinds of places and it's hard to fall asleep because you've become the snack of bed bugs and so she wraps him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn they were headed to an inn it seemed reasonable to expect hospitality it's the son of god for pete's sake and peter of course would have had nothing to do with this at that time no one would have had anything to do with them at this time because of the census it overpopulated areas that at one time could have handled night travelers sometimes we ask ourselves why didn't i think of that how many of you have those moments where you're just going why didn't i think of that why didn't i anticipate that it's because we're on a roll we move sometimes some others do better than we do anticipating the what if i keep saying to myself after the fact okay i'm going to be a what if guy i'm going to have that thing packed i'm going to have my survival food i'm going to have my special snacks and my water only to realize it didn't matter i left it on the table anyways and i clearly heard from christy that's your responsibility oh i'm irresponsible and so in these times 
did it go through their mind, Mary's possibly, I'm carrying the Son of God, surely there will be a special provision for me and for Joseph, my husband. Surely in the time that I've traveled in the sorrow internally of bearing up this child in the last two miles, there'll be a place for me. But the only place for them was the stable. Historically, there is a conjecture. It was not a wood shed, nor even a wooden cradle. It was very likely a carved out niche of stone within a hillside that would have been known as the manger. I'm not saying they couldn't have used wood, but many of the things that we see that we draft to our own understanding of stables, the wooden thing would be very difficult because it wouldn't have been necessarily an easy commodity. And so this carve out perhaps in the hill side and the trough very likely what has been considered a stone lapping rock where the feed would be put on it. This is where Jesus very likely was born. I wouldn't necessarily argue it. As I look at the areas of Israel, the travels that I've done, it is full of rocks. You had no trouble with the law of correction in which capital punishment would have been carried out by stoning because there are stones everywhere. And so it's very, very inhospitable, even to agriculture back then. And here's where they find themselves. You have experienced in the early morning and late evening more than a chill on your head. It's cold. If you don't have your heater on at night, you can almost see fog just furl off of your breath. And it tells you, I want to light a fire. And it's not something you necessarily want to rub up for. We do that just to survive until the heater catches up. So this night is very likely in that season as it is ours, cold. Israel was cold when we were over there in February. It was cold. I was surprised at how cold it was. Not that I was looking for a tan, but I figured at least it would be better than Oregon. It was not. It was cold. And this is where sovereignly God the Father said, my son will be born. All excuses removed for where it is children may be necessarily born. For my son was born most inhospitably in a manger, which was a cave. It's interesting because he would live to die and his body would be put literally in a cave that would be closed by a stone that rolled against it. The imagery to me is fascinating. So what's happening right now? Well, here's what's happening and the close of the picture. 
as Mary has satisfied in obedience, the pregnancy, being delivered by the birth of Jesus, they're waiting it out. They're keeping him warm. The swaddling clothes imply exactly what you're seeing, what you remember notably by a story of Lazarus, who would die in some manner, a disease. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloths, and that's what they did back then. Strips of cloth, which are known as grave cloths. Jesus is wrapped in that, not a blanket of wool, not extra padded linen. It's not that at all. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So when I went to this term, sheeping, here's what's happening. There were in the same country, that means they're neighboring right next door. They're in the fields. This for them is what they expect. And they expect it because true to their heart, they take care of these animals passionately. They remain faithful, not because of the comfort, but because of the call. They so identify ultimately with this particular animal that for some in cultures would say stenchy but necessary. Because remember, that was a sacred sacrifice. The lamb would be presented. The lamb would be inspected. It was a part of the sacred sacrifice in order to be forgiven of sin. And these men in those days were not respected for what they did, but God esteemed them for their faithfulness to this charge to such a degree he would visit them with an angelic message. As Mary had received a message, Zechariah had received a message, these shepherds would receive a message from God to be messengers for God. And this is where we see it in verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Well, the Lord's in a stable. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. This is the mystery and dunamis of God, the Father, the Son of God, Jesus, and the Spirit of God. The Shekinah glory was blinding them. Remember, there's still evidence that suggests over Bethlehem a light is beaming. A supernova, we don't know, but it's there. It's calling out to a people group probably 900 to 1,500 miles away that two years later they will come into the community and present their gifts 
to not this baby, but to a young infant, Jesus. Pretty incredible, everything that's being laid out. But the key focus right now are on these shepherds who in that time were not respected for what they did, which was to give their life to protect that flock that would have essentially what the ministering sacrificial system required they would have because they took their roles seriously. And there they are, probably as miserable in where they're at as Joseph and Mary found themselves in where they were at. And the difference between both of them is simply this, who they were, but not how it is they behaved. The shepherds, in hearing this and having it confirmed in what we would say, the salutations of God and the angelic voices declaring this to be true, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Some would say they were uneducated. We would hear that about some other men later, like about 30 years later. Do you know who those people were? Those were the disciples. It would seem to me that this must be a great compliment. These would be, from this perspective, one of the first batch of disciples that the Lord had. As a baby, he has men that his father made provision of to be divinely in that field to hear the message. How cool. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. That's your message. That's your message. If you were them, this is what you would have heard. And it impresses me as a choir. When I'm sitting in the front and I'm listening, I'm both tuned in to what is being sung and I participate as well in singing. At times, though, because I am a singer, it is very rewarding to just be a deep listener. I marvel at the sounds. I marvel at the instruments. And I can play most of them, but I truly am in the front seat, absorbing it as if it is an angelic orchestration. I hear you guys behind me. It is inspiring. I have a sense of some of you standing. At times, that sense of reverence beckons me to stand. At times, when you're standing, I sit in reverence. This occasion is an amazing, miraculous presentation of God. 
introducing these men to whom they will search out God. Talk about getting respect. Talk about being flattered by an event. And all because they were not diminishing their role. They were faithfully attending to what others didn't care about, except when the need was, you got what I need. Now I'm interested in you. Crazy. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They're giving a recitation of both compliance and agreeability. We're going. That's what we were told to do. We believe that is a certainty. No denying, believing. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. As obedience was put to the test by complying and as speed was a part of their enthusiasm. This is amazing. What happened to the sheep that they were tending? Very likely, they became either a part of this travel plan or several of them were left behind to keep watch over them while the faster ones read ahead. Don't know. What we do know is that they made it precisely to where they were directed and they saw with their own eyes that which their heart believed in before they even got there. See, that principle still is true. God says, I want you to believe before you see. And as you believe, when you get there, you will see it. Did you know that's a principle? It's not show me first, God, and then I'll go. I'll make my decision based on paper, scissors, rock. Or the scripture will then come to light and I'll believe. God says, you believe me first and go and then you'll see it. It'll come to light. It'll be there for you. And so as they go and they find this to be as specifically as it was told them, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They became evangelists. And very likely they became evangelists while they remained shepherds. Did you know you can do that too? You can keep what it is that you're doing well right now and be effective in what the Lord will anoint you with in the moment, in the latter and sometimes he'll say, you know what? You're doing so well evangelically. I'm going to let you go on the other because you're doing so well. That's ultimately what happened to me, but not really because I'm still teaching. I let go of teaching only to become a teacher and a different teacher and a different kind of musician. And I'm still going, which means I'm doing something right, at least for now. And Mary kept, it says, well, let me do verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Have a marvelous word for somebody today. Even if, in my opinion, one of the best things you can ever say 
and it says everything you need to say. God bless you. Take somebody's breath away. God bless you today. I personally believe there are those who will be breathless when you say, God bless you today. Jesus bless you even now. I try to make that with frequency, my salutation, both on the phone and personally. Because sometimes I'm not confident that all that I would have to say is the best. But I am confident that to bless someone perhaps is all I need to say. And it's powerful. Dennis was right. That in the spirit and that place in which every single one of us can say, God has gifted me spiritually. Start there. Become a messenger of the good news that God has blessed you. Jesus is born. You can be saved. If you got lost along the way, you can be found. You can rediscover Jesus all over again. You can begin your life anew, fresh, in obedience as you make haste. Make haste to what? To the Lord. Where? Come and see. Come and see where the Lord is. And so Mary, observing and having been obedient to, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned. Notice what happened. Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. What you hear and what you see is worthy of praising the Lord for and glorifying him. Remember this story. There are those who's got, they've got the focus on the red sleigh. You remember the red Jeep. If that's for you, a scenario in which you can say, I never knew. Jeeps were so good. It had nothing to do with a good Jeep. It had something to do with a good God who happened to use a red Jeep to bring a sister back to church. It's her testimony. You can't deny it. I don't think I would have come out of that one. Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to hear that deeply. But Stacia did, for sure. Walked away from it, had tea with her sister afterwards. Big hug from the family. She's not limping. She's not, maybe she had some tiny soreness, but that's it. That's her story. One of many. Our story is unique and one of many. Jesus was born on a day prophesied 700 years before. And we got it. And it's our story to tell in this season. And don't pick on St. Nick. It wasn't his fault that he got made into a legacy. He didn't start out that way. He doesn't need to be despised, but the baby that became the infant, that became the man of God, the son of God, is the one to be extolled, and we are to be pregnant with grace, full of God's grace every day, because he's coming, and he's going to call us up, and we pray.